When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, good evening, good evening. This is Joe with the Cotton Club crew coming to you this day after Valentine's Day podcast to do an Iowa State preview. And guess what? Baseball season's here. Talk a little bit of tournament action that the Texas Tech Red Raiders are going to be in in Globe Life um, this upcoming weekend, starting tomorrow, whenever they meet up with the number nine ranked Tennessee Volunteers in Arlington. I am joined tonight by Jack himself. He's been on a little bit of hiatus. That's kind of what work does and things like that. He is back with me. He is our baseball guru. He does all the other sports with us as well, but he is mostly here on the baseball front of it. And it's that time of the year again. Baseball has arrived. Texas Tech has some high expectations like they have had since Tadlock has t- taken over this program. And we'll kind of dive into this this weekend and then kind of touch on outlook for the season. But I'm sure we'll be able to get into that in a couple days later podcast, get some more of the guys in, get like a big group here talking about it. Um, but we'll get to that as the part two of our podcast this evening. But part one of our podcast this tonight is going to be based on the Iowa State Cyclones preview on Saturday morning. Tech coming off of their huge, big Monday beatdown of the Kansas Jayhawks. And they travel to Ames. They travel to Ames. Hilton Coliseum. Not one of the easiest places to play in the country. They haven't lost there this year. Big time game. Another um, matchup with a top 10 ranked opponent. This is has all the makings for another slugfest in which the Big 12 is. So we'll touch base on that. Jack, I'd like to welcome you back this evening. How are you doing? How has life been treating you this new year? Hey man, I appreciate it. I'm glad to be back. Uh, it's been a long, it's been a long time since I've uh, been on the pod. Way too long. So, uh, you know, I'm glad to be back. Life's great, and uh, I'm pretty happy. And you know, man, I've been watching some uh, some basketball as well. And I, you know, I'm impressed. I'm truly impressed with what I'm seeing so far this year. So, uh, you know, everything seems to be tracking really nicely right now for uh, for this Red Raider team. I wanted to get your thoughts before we fully jump into this Iowa State deal. I talked about it about my on my the podcast that I had last night. Having not sure if you've heard it or not, but I wanted to get your your thoughts, your opinion on on how great Darian Williams night was. If you had to sum it up for if somebody asked you, how would you sum that up? Would you sum it up as like watching a a no hitter in baseball? Would you sum it up as watching somebody some PGA tour somewhere hitting a hole in one? How would you rank 
Darian Williams' performance on Monday night to some of those other things that I just mentioned? I think I like your I like your comparison to like a no hitter in baseball. I think that that's a really good comparison. Um, I'm trying to think in like terms of like football. I, you know, you almost want to compare it to like uh, you know being. 30 for 30 on past attempts and completions and going for like 600 yards. Right. That's, that's something that you want to like compare it to. Um, don't know if that's really a realistic comparison, but uh, no, I, I like the no hitter. Uh, and I think that that's about as rare as it gets. I mean, I think they said that there have been two or three instances of being perfect from the floor and having a double double in the last like 25 years in college basketball um, which is wild to even think about, but, um, you know, I think that there were a lot of people before this season started that were, they weren't questioning the team. Uh, but I think that some of the transfers that were coming in, they might not have made sense at the time. Um, I don't think Darian Williams is one of those, one of those. I, I think that his transfer in made sense. You know, he was the Mountain West Conference freshman of the year last year. And I I think that, you know, uh, for for better or for worse, some of these conferences do have that sort of like um, you know, stigma about them that they're springboards to the power five. And, you know, if that's the case, then so be it. But um you know, it's turned out to be a huge, uh, a huge get for tech. And especially, um, especially with our injury situation. And I, I think really, I think it really can't be said enough that, you know, when you lose Cambridge, that you have someone that can, can be maybe a smaller forward but also a bigger guard that can do both um you know use them when you need them and when you when you're a guy like that and you're multifaceted and stuff like that i think it's 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 hard to keep you off the floor right so i think that it's a huge it's been a huge get he's played really he's played so well um i think another person that kind of gets lost sometimes uh is a guy that you know played really well in a loss a couple of games ago um the, the flu game against Cincinnati I think Robert Jennings Robert Jennings played really well uh, against Kansas um he got beat to shit by Hunter Dickinson all night um a lot of you know elbows and knees and shoulders and all that and uh you know he still came out on top so I think he played really well um, I was just really impressed with the effort, um, against Kansas, but the other thing that, and I, I don't want to take away from the way tech played at all. Cause they played one of their best games of, of the year. Um, but I, I don't know about you. I was also just really just at a loss for words at how bad they played. Uh, I mean, I think that this had the recipe for for being a, a close game. I, I think that, you know, I, I'm not sure. The thing is, people are, you know, you can say, all oh, Kansas is hurt. You know, that McCuller didn't play, whatever. 
Um, don't really care about that uh, in like the drama soap opera aspect. I really couldn't care less if he played or not because the bottom line is I don't think he makes up 29 points. Uh, I truly don't. I don't. I don't think that he makes a 29 point difference in that game. So um, that's why I really wouldn't care about it. But um, they played really bad. Uh, Hunter Dickinson played really bad. KJ Adams played really bad. Um, and I think everything was going right for tech and everything was going wrong for Kansas. Um, those games happen on both sides. Uh, we've seen games where everything's gone wrong for tech. Um, but we've also seen, uh, and that, that game in Houston, uh, sticks out to me for stuff that, you know, they kept it close and then everything just shit seemed to hit the fan. Um, but, uh, that was the game where I think everything was, was gone for Kansas after Grant McCaslin took that timeout when they got to, I think it was like 12 to 12 or 14 to 12 or something like that in the first half. And then it, it was on after that. But I think that, um, I think this is a good game and it was a great game for tech for sure. Um, I think you want to emulate that, um, that performance as much as you can throughout the rest of the year. Um, Really interested in this Iowa State game, though, looking forward. Um, they they almost kind of match up a lot like we do. If you look at them like a, from an overall team statistical standpoint, um, not necessarily if you look at it from a from a big game perspective or from, from the big picture perspective, but if you're just looking at it purely on a stat sheet, um, this team matches up fairly similar to, to Tech on a stat sheet. So it's going to be a really cool game to watch, I think, like. Yeah, just um, to piggyback off what you said about the Robert Jennings and Darian Williams thing. I said this last night, and I stand by it. You know, this was him coming back, even though, you know, he he's seen big-time flashes of, of potential and upside with Robert Jennings. Him coming back to Texas Tech University after the sit, shit sandwich that he had with this previous coaching staff and that whole situation that was going on, I wouldn't have blamed him if he left Texas tech. I just wouldn't have, you know, um, greener pastures out there, but he chose to come back. He was loving what he heard from coach McCaslin. I believe he also has a very, very good um, relationship prior to being at Texas tech, just overall from the area with um, coach buff. I think, these were things that sold them on staying here and being a part of this team and being a part of the big picture. And I, and like I said, it's just been, it's been great to see, to see him to stay and then to see him go through some of these growing pains because we've been pretty critical of him sometimes that he doesn't finish at the rim strong. He doesn't go up, you know, he just seems like he's getting bullied a little bit. And he has slowly grown into that player that we kind of envisioned him being. And I think it's only going to get better. And having the kind of game that he had against Kansas and Hunter Dickinson, hate him or love him, he's a damn good player. And holding your own, given the kind of shit you're going through, with the elbows, with the shoulders, with the heads, everything that it came with, 
Um, and you you holding your own and holding him to sub 10 points, that's massive. So I'm I'm glad he came back. I'm glad he's still part of this roster, and I'm just glad to watch him grow um, further on. And, Jack, did you have something else on that? Oh, yeah, no, I – I think I'm right there with you. I don't, I don't blame anyone that left um, at all. I, I truly don't. And um, I, I'm really glad that a lot of them are getting, you know, playing time in other places. Um, my thing, I don't blame you for leaving, but I do blame you for where you go. And um, if you're dumb enough to transfer into a, to a conference school, then so be it. Uh, I don't understand why, you know, there are people that are, you know, all, there are always going to be people bitching about tech student section. There always is. And, uh, you know, the tech fan base, there always is. Um, I don't think that, like I said, I don't blame anyone for leaving. Uh, I truly think that McCuller and Terrence Shannon actually kind of knew what was going on and what, the situation was. And I think that they got out the first opportunity they could. Now I don't blame either of them for leaving, but I, again, I do blame you for where you go. If you choose to go into a a conference foe that has to come to Lubbock, you know, we're going to treat you like an opponent. Um, I feel the same way about Malik Wilson. Uh, Malik Wilson, I think was one of the more, most underutilized uh, people from the roster. Uh, last year and um, I think that his game I don't think I don't know if his game necessarily but I want to say that his situation in underutilization is similar to that of Kerwin Walton I think that Kerwin Walton and you're seeing it this year he deserved so much more playing time than he got last year and granted he's probably grown into the role over the offseason and gotten better but he definitely deserved a hell of a lot more playing time than he got last year. And I think the last staff really mismanaged a lot of playing situations. I think one with Kerwin Walton big time. Um, I also think they underutilized Malik Wilson a lot. And um, I'm glad to see that Malik is doing well at Houston. Um, And, you know, Houston doesn't come to Lubbock this year, but um you know, if they would have, I um, don't really necessarily say that we would have booed him like we did Kevin McCuller because he wasn't as big of a name. But, um, you know, we would have booed Houston, too. So um, it would have been the same deal if Kyler Edwards was still on Houston and they had to come to, te- to come to Lubbock and I would have booed the shit out of him. But, um, you know, that's that's just what that just comes with the territory, you know, so um I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's just going to get me like upset or whatever, but I understand. Um, yeah, no, it's just one of those things where um, it's almost you know, to be expected. It, it right? comes with, yeah. It comes with the territory. It's not like the thing that, the thing that upsets me is when people act shocked that people are getting booed and love. I'm like, it's an opponent. We boo every single opponent that comes in. Right. I don't know and why I, anyone's shocked at this point. And what's funny to me is that I felt that the tech, student section was very mild in the we want kevin chant i think that was that's if you're comparing it to other things that we've said like you know the fuck trey young thing you know whenever he came here 
for going to Oklahoma instead of coming to Texas Tech, where you had family ties, this, that, and the other. I mean, we were we were G rated against oh, know, yeah. for, for for Kevin Mo, for Kevin McCuller. So uh, that just shows you how super soft um, some of the Jayhawks are. It's just it is what think, it is. Uh, it I think a lot of it too is the fact that you know a majority of these kids, which is scary to say, a majority of these kids weren't at Tech when Kevin McCuller was. So you also got to remember that you have two years now of kids that. You know, if you're judging, if you're going off of the generic four-year college plan, um, I obviously didn't subscribe to that plan. But, uh, you know, if you are going off of the generic four-year college plan, half of these kids that are showing up to these games were not at Tech when Kevin McCuller was there. 100%. So uh, I, th- I think that they, you know, you could sit there and boo and do all you want. But if you weren't really there when all of it was going on, um, you know, it's kind of hard to get up for. I, I think that I think that that's why when Chris Beard came back and it was the first year after he had left, so there were still three, you know, at least three years of kids. You know, you had sophomores, juniors, and seniors that had all been there when, uh, when Chris Beard was the coach at Tech. And um, I think that that's why it made that one a little more hostile and obviously the way everything, you know, went down. But um and that and that's again why I think also you know you go back two years and you know people leave and come back to Lubbock and for different teams or whatever. Um, I don't think that they get booed as bad if you know if it's been some time since they've been here. So uh, I think two having two like half the student body essentially not being at Tech when Kevin McCullough was here, I think that that kind of helped the situation a little bit but yeah i i I thought i i agree with you i think overall it was pretty mild right and just like a g-rated like i I wasn't having to rush over to cover my daughter's ears from what was being chanted from the student section or having to explain why they are being like this they just were saying hey we want kevin you know no harm no foul i think that was mild whatever kansas jayhawk fans could be super charm and soft right now for whatever reason it's just because they got their ass Handed to him on a silver platter in Lubbock, and you know, it is what it is. Um, now that we've kind of gotten off <laughs> off our little Iowa State preview, just rambling on, do apologize, but we are getting to that now. I'm not going to really dive too deep into what Iowa State brings. Let's just let's concentrate on the things that Texas Tech needs to do to win in Ames. So, Jack. Based on what you've seen from this basketball team, what needs to happen for this Red Raider team to be successful on Saturday morning at Hilton? I think the first thing, uh, the two things that really stand out to me really aren't even in the in the scoring aspect of it. Obviously, scoring points when you need to score more points than the other team to win the game. Um, I think Tech does this by taking care of the basketball. Um Iowa State is known for forcing a lot of turnovers. I think they average like almost 10 or 11 steals a game. Um, and that's that's a crazy stat in itself. But I think Tech needs to take care of the ball, uh, limit the turnovers, uh, and I think they need to rebound. I uh, I posted this during the 
shit. It had to have been the UCF game. Um, there are very there are stretches that this team goes through where they can't rebound to save their life, and and I sincerely mean that. Uh, it's there was a stretch in that UCF game where it was some of the worst rebounding I have literally ever seen at the Division One level, and um, they fixed it against Kansas. Um. A, a much better team than UCF, ironically. Uh, but I, I'm interested to see if they can continue it and keep the defense, uh, you know, keep the defense on track. Um, the defense against Kansas was really, really good. Uh, I am looking to see if if they can keep that up for uh, a tough game at Hilton. And I think that if you see a, a stout defense and taking care of the ball, and I guess you can kind of lump in the rebounding into taking care of the ball. Um, I think you got a shot. You have a legitimate chance of winning this game. Yeah, I, it's kind of weird that the last two games where you had been previously, the previous five, six games, you've been just getting owned on the board. Owned on the board. You win the rebound battle against Central Florida give it by a handful and then you come out and you do what you do against the better opponent, ironically, just like you said, and you just crash and kill the boards against a Kansas team. I think you ended up on the game with 42 rebounds to their 26 to 28 ish. I don't remember the exact stat on that, um, but you know that they, they came out and played. Obviously I think that's usually going to be in the game plan moving forward. For this team to be successful, limit your turnovers, which they've done fairly consistently through the course of the Big 12 conference. And then also rebounding the damn ball. That's, you know, whenever you're giving your opponents anywhere between eight and 15 extra opportunities to put points on the board, you're going to lose a lot of those games. Granted, this Texas Tech team hasn't necessarily that hasn't came back and bit them like bad, bad. The TCU game is one of those games that kind of sticks out to me where they got a rebound and then Micah Peavy went Steph Curry on us. One of those kinds of games. Those those are the games that hurt you, especially when they're on the road. And the Hilton Coliseum is not an easy place to play. They haven't lost there this year. A lot of things need to go right for this Texas Tech offense to be successful. I mean, this Texas Tech basketball team in general to be successful on Saturday morning. Um, my big one is just going to be the freebies. If you get to the free throw line, you got to connect. This game could come down to five to six points, you know, one way or the other. Those free throws there at any point during the game, either first half, second half, they need to be utilized and you have to make them whenever you're given the free chance. So between keeping the turnovers down, rebounding the ball, and, you know, making your free throws – going to be some pretty huge keys to this game for this team to be successful. You probably are going to need to get some big time minutes out of Robert Jennings with the status of Warren Washington still kind of up in the air. I do believe he's going to play, but at what capacity, at what percentage is he physically, you know, this is obviously, do you want to save him? Do you want to just kind of ease him in? You Robert Jennings had such a hell of a game against Kansas. Do you want to go ahead 
and start him and then bring Warren in? How are you going to play it? I'll leave those decisions up to Coach McCaslin and his staff, but these are things that we'll have to monitor through the duration of this game to see exactly where this team stands against Iowa State. So moving on, Jack, who is your key player for this Texas Tech offense? Who needs to go the extra mile or who needs to show up for this team to be successful in Ames on Saturday morning, sir? You know, there's there's a couple that I could go with. Um, I, I, I think that we see and it's hard to choose, but, um, I need to see, I, and I really, it's going to be hard and you're going to hate me for this, but I, I'm going to pick kind of like a couple, um, That's and, fine. <laughs> To me, it, it's it's the trio, it's it's the duo or the trio of guards. Um, I think everyone kind of got overshadowed by Darian Williams on Monday, and Warren Washington played really well. Um, again, we talked about Robert Jennings. Um, Chance McMillan played pr- pretty well off the bench, um, but Pop Isaacs, Kerwin Walton, and Joe Toussaint really didn't play all that well. Um, Joe Toussaint played fine. He was, I mean, from three, he was two of four. Um, But I want to read you these. Just This is from the field. This is just from the field for these three guys against Kansas. Uh, Joe Toussaint, two for nine from the field. Uh, Kerwin Walton, two of seven from the field. Uh, Six of those were from deep. Um, And Pop Isaacs, one for nine from the field. Pop Isaacs had seven points. Uh, Curran Walton had eight and Joe Toussaint had six. Um, plain and simple. Look, I love the, I loved what we got from Darian. Well, you're not going to get that every game. That's just not a, a realistic, you know, stat. So you gotta have something from one of those three guys. I you got to have better than that. You can't you can't have your start three starting guards, you know, uh combined for 21 points. That's not going to work. You're not going to win many games that way. Um so um I think that I, I you know a lot of this offense will flow through Pop, so I think I'm going to go with Pop Isaacs. Um just because the offense flows so much better when he's playing well granted he did have a lot of you know he had five assists against kansas so that was a big part of his game um i know joe toussaint had a lot of or he had three assists as well and some big rebounds um all they both played meaningful minutes you know uh pop and joe toussaint both ended up with 34 minutes on the floor and um i think that they all they both contributed to that game in a, in, a, in their own separate ways, um, but damn, I, I wish I could see that Joe Toussaint from from the beginning of conference play um, again because that was something special to watch. And when him and Pop were both playing well, man, uh, this team looked really good. And not, I'm not saying they don't now, but um, 
it just looks a little different and it looks like a real big time beast uh, when they're both on and playing well. So I'd like to see both of them, but uh, for, for tonight, I'll take pop Isaacs. Yeah. Earlier on in the big 12 season, whenever it started between Joe Tucson and pop Isaacs, to your point, this offense just looked more fluid and movement and coming off of the screens and working the pick and roll, it just seemed a little bit more seamless. And that was, you know, just, it was great to see, you know, as a Texas Tech fan. But over the last stretch, you know, there was, there's been the times where it's either Pops cold, Tucson is briskly warm, or both of them are cold. It hasn't been, you know, not saying that they didn't contribute this last game or they haven't done what they needed to do because they're affecting the game in different ways between passing and assist and protecting the ball, things like that. Those go a long way. Those don't necessarily light up a stat sheet, but those do help contribute to being able to pull off said upsets against, you know, a team like Kansas. So just to see those guys get back to how they were playing earlier in the Big 12 would be huge. Um, I'm going to give it two players as well. Obviously, I'm giving it, one to Robert Jennings, just with the uncertainty of Warren Washington's health. And then the other one is going to be Chance McMillan off of the bench. Usually the first guy off the bench to spell Kerwin. He plays starter minutes. He's out there a lot. And I think this is going to be one of those games where we're going to need his shot a little bit more than we need somebody else's shot. I'm not saying nobody else is as important as Chance McMillan on Saturday morning. But I do believe Chance McMillan is going to have to step his game up and knock down some of these open looks, you know, make make things miserable, get get people running back and forth. And, you know, you dive you drive into the into the paint, get it to Robert Jennings, Warren Washington, whoever happens to be in the game, you know, those easy passes or you break down the defense and then you get it to another one of your shooters, Kerwin Walton, Pop Isaacs out there to hit a big time three, even Darian Williams to an extent. So those two guys are going to be my guys to watch for this game to be successful. Um, one of those two guys is just going to have to step up. It's Hilton's a tough place to play. Granted, Texas tech has owned the, the Iowa state team, the Cyclones for the last 10 games, eight and two last 10 matchups. Texas tech is just, you know, holding their own against against them. So it's not it's not it's not impossible to think that we can't go in there and win this game. But you're going to have to do something a lot of things right. You're going to have to limit the crowd noise because that place when it's rocking, it's rocking. Not trying to say that it's a United Supermarkets Arena, but it is right on up there with rowdiness and by videos I've seen here there wherever platform that you follow it gets rowdy there. It's just the truth. It's a tough venue to play in, a tough venue to to go and get a W. So a lot of stars are going to need a line for us to be successful on Saturday. Do we have the pieces to do so? Yes. But it's all about execution and, you know, putting that game plan to work on Saturday. So now, Jack, call your shot, my man. Is this, this could potentially be a matchup of 
potential Big 12 coaches of the year based on how this game goes. Coach McCaslin wins this game. He it kind of, you know, he's primed to take the lead lead in this. I because I think it's a two-person race between Iowa State's head coach. I don't know how to say his last name, so I'm not going to try and butcher it. And Coach McCaslin. I just think this is a two two-man race in the Big 12 for Coach of the Year. And I think this game could bring one of those guys up and put them in the lead. And given what Texas Tech has remaining on the schedule with some really favorable matchups moving forward, this is these are man, I think this this catapults him into number one if he's not already there right now. So Jack, what are you feeling? How are you calling this game for Saturday morning? I think if you want to win the Big 12, um, this is a game you have to win. Um, I like the fact that it starts at 11 a.m., I'll be honest with you. I, I think that that bodes well for us, um, especially on the road. So um, I think we come out, we keep it close. Um, and I think that if if we are able to keep the momentum up, that we that we took on Monday, I think that we can kind of ride it for at least part of this game. Um, that being said, I like our chances, um, so I'll uh, I'll predict the upset here, and and I'll take Tech, uh, an unranked Texas Tech beating two top ten ranked teams in the same week. Um, I'll, I'll I'll take it. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to take it like 63 to 58 around that little area right there. Could be a slobber knocker. This is big 12 basketball could be just a heavyweight, heavyweight fight back and forth, back and forth. Nobody wanting to take the lead. Nobody wanting to, you know, do anything that much more to propel themselves to, you know, win comfortably. And I think this is just going to be another fringe nail biter, however you want to call it. It's just going to come down to the last, I don't know, last five minutes of the game is obviously that's kind of broad, but the last five minutes of the game is going to be the most crucial of this game. And I could see it going either way. I just don't think given Warren's health situation and Robert's not saying inconsistency would be the right word, but just him finally being able to come into his own. It could potentially be another coming out party for Robert Jennings. Darren Williams could go off or somebody else could go off from beyond the arc. You know, that, that stuff has happened to this basketball team, but I just don't think we have it in the tank right now to beat them. But I do think we lose this game, but we win out the rest of the year which we could get into that later. But I think um, Iowa State does enough to beat this Texas Tech basketball team on Saturday morning. Um, score, something like that. First one to 69 wins. You know, that's the, those are typically the the point where whoever makes it to that, to that mark or that point mark is usually going to come out victorious. Um, 69, 70 points there. Whoever gets to that number first is going to win. And I believe Iowa State's going to do that. So that kind of just ends that right now. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. But I just, you know, there's just so many question marks with Warren's health. 
and is if he's a hundred percent or if he's not a hundred percent, how our depth runs. I know Iowa State's depth is somewhere similar to us, but if if they get if they get hot, Lipsy, if he gets hot, you know, he's just one of those players that's just a nightmare, a Jamal Shed kind of nightmare kind of a player. And whenever he gets going, it's just tough to stop. So um our backcourt's gonna have their hands full with him and some other players there. I think they're averaging a over 10 points a game, but we'll just see what happens. Coach McCaslin usually has great game plans. This coaching staff has had great game plans. This is by far the hardest remaining game on the schedule. This is it. You have three, not saying, not looking past anybody, but just if you're looking at it on paper, this is going to be the hardest matchup you have left on the schedule. And if you're able to get, go in, sneak into Ames, I will come out with a W. I think that bodes well for your Big 12 championship chances, and I think it bodes well for where you ultimately end up in the NCAA tournament. So we'll see exactly what Coach McCaslin and company has in store for this game, but we're going to end this first segment here. Ran a little bit longer than we wanted to, but that hey, you get talking tech sports, it's hard to stop talking. So we're going to put a wrap on this one. We're about to jump into part two of our texas tech podcast baseball season's here boys and girls ba the long-awaited baseball season is here a lot of hype going into this year a lot of new faces a lot of a lot of things to be positive about with this team so they start off tomorrow night against tennessee in arlington globe life field where another Ranger, <coughs> excuse me, another Ranger just secured his first World Series victory, ex-Texas Tech Red Raider and Josh Young. And Texas Tech is there starting off the season. So, Jack, let's kind of touch base on that. Season expectations, we won't get dive too, too far into this. We'll just kind of stick with this weekend, this weekend alone. You, you start off, obviously, with number nine, Tennessee. You play Nebraska, you play Oregon. These are three games here where you're, I'm not sure exactly how much you're going to learn from these three, but I mean, it'll be a safe gauge on what to expect for this year's baseball season. Coming into this year, what is your biggest storyline or, or maybe not this year, coming into this weekend, what do you think the biggest storyline for this baseball team is going to be going to be your starting pitching some of the new faces new position players what are you feeling about where this texas tech red raider baseball team is right now uh for me it's going to definitely be uh the new faces at new positions uh, i think it's going to be very interesting to see uh bazell back at his natural catching position um i think the moving of tracer lopez over to second base is going to be something to look look at um and then obviously the left side of your infield being completely new uh you have t uh, you have tj pompey at short and uh mcgee over there at third uh i i think that that's gonna be uh very interesting and uh, i'm excited for it to be honest with you um obviously um catching in first base bazell and cash those have been unlocked since game like four of last year. Um, 
Also really interested to see uh, what the outfield looks like this weekend. I know this team's uh, still kind of dealing with a bout of the flu. So um, I'm very interested to see how the outfield looks in this game, uh, in this kind of weekend round robin. Uh, and I'm, I'm very interested to see uh, who they have plugged in at certain positions. I know, um, you know, historically tech has been pretty bad in these, uh, you know, early season tournaments. Um you know, typically we we come out of these either one and two or oh and three. It seems like almost every year. Um, I would be super satisfied with the two and one weekend. Um, but hell, you know, if you could shock everyone and go three and oh, that'd be great too. Um, I think you're gonna learn a lot about the train, <laughs> as weird as it sounds to say, I think the. The thing that you, I know you asked me just about the weekend, but um, thing about this season that I'm uh, that I'm kind of looking at um, the training staff. To be honest with you, strength and conditioning um, are all of our pitchers going to get hurt for about the fourth or fifth consecutive year, or are we actually going to be able to keep our pitchers healthy? Um, I think if you keep the pitching healthy, um, this team is you know stacked for success. Um, but you know, if this team continues to have injury struggles like they have for the past three or four years, um, it's going to be tough sledding. I think at times, um, you can go out and you can put up 15 runs every game, but if you're giving up 17 because you don't have any pitching, then, um, you know, we have some problems. Yeah, it's, that's, that was one thing that we talked about last year a lot was what was our training staff doing? What was our, what what was going on? Were our pitchers getting too too worked in the off season, right before the season started? What was happening? Because it's kind of been a very very terrible trend that's happened, and I you could probably go anywhere back four to five years, maybe even longer, where you're losing some some of your bigger bigger arms for longer extended times, or even for the year. Hell, that we had Washburn, um, game three starter, Jake Washburn, all last year. We didn't see him at all. We didn't see him at all. So what was what happened to him in the offseason? Was that just something that happened, freak accident, or is it something that we're doing as far as whenever we're practicing with these guys, when they're having bullpen sessions, this, that, or the other? Obviously, that is a huge, huge factor for this team to be successful moving forward if you want to go anywhere further in the tournament, that's just how it is. And we could probably talk about that all night and day till I'm black and blue in the face um, about Joe Bob or Jim Bob or whatever, Thomas, the pitching coach. And if, I mean, he's a, he's a Tadlock, he's a Tadlock guy and he's, you know, his right hand, like it are, is another bad pitching performance for collectively for his group of guys is this the 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 straw that breaks the camel's back to where he's finally relieved of his duties now that's you know far that's far far down the line i don't want to start talking all crazy like that but you know it's just one of those deals that you know you do have to keep on your radar given this track record of our pitching staff over the last few years so yeah that's uh that's gardner 
That's Gardner, the, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. J Bob is uh hitting coach or recruiting. But okay. yeah, uh no, but I agree with you. I'm I'm one hundred percent on board with that. I think definitely a conversation to have throughout the year, but um, you know, I, I, I wanna I'll, you know, drop my pennies in that bucket too. You know, how many more years of this can you take? Right. Um, 100, before uh, before it's it's a concerning trend. I absolutely right. agree. So Moving into that, just so we have Kyle Robinson starting tomorrow night against Tennessee. Obviously, the way he ended last season on a high note, he was probably one of your more consistent pitchers out there that you trotted out there that he would give you solid innings. He would go five, six innings deep. You know, you're not having to get into your bullpen as early. And he was, I wouldn't say quite dominant but i mean at, at certain stretches and innings there he had dominant stuff so is this going to be your pitcher to watch for this weekend out of the three starters for you jack robinson's got gas like he he can throw um he can zing it in there uh i'm actually looking more at jack washburn on sunday um I'm interested to see what he brings to the table. Oregon is a very underrated team, in my opinion. Um, I, I I thought that the uh, that the Ducks should have been ranked coming into this year. Um, for those of you that haven't really looked at the schedule, Tech is also hanging around for two days in Arlington after this, and they're playing uh, they're playing UTA on Tuesday, and then they're they're facing off against Oregon state on, on Wednesday at noon in an untelevised game. That's only on the radio um, <laughs> against number seven, Oregon state. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm actually really interested to see who uh, is going to, is going to throw in those. Um, but uh, for the weekend itself, I'm looking at Jack Washburn. To be honest with you, I'm really looking at all three. Uh, I'm looking to see how Robinson has come back from, you know, how an early end to last season. Um, Petty got roughed up at times last year, so I'm kind of interested to see how he looks um, against a Nebraska team that has some pop in the bat. And and I'm and I'm interested to see how Jack Washburn has recovered from all of his stuff as well. Obviously he hasn't pitched in a couple years now. So um, I'm interested to see what he's looking like. And um, I'm, I'm really uh, excited to at least see, you know, what do we have in the tank? What do we have uh, coming out of the pen? Um, the bullpen is definitely one of those areas. that's going to look a little bit different than some people are used to. Um, while we do have a lot of the, we do have some guys returning. Uh, there are some guys that have left as well. So uh, I'm really interested to see what, what we kind of see out of the bullpen as well. Um, but uh, just anticipation for the most part. Yeah. Really, really excited. Really excited. It came, it came quick. Um, this baseball season, it just seemed like, few weeks ago we were talking about the bowl game and then now we're talking about texas tech's rise in the basketball court and now we're hey it's baseball season it, it it's moving fast and furious this go around really a lot of excitement um heading into this season going into this weekend jack there's a couple faces and names that you know a lot of red raider nation doesn't know about 
without you know having some kind of following of some sort through via other platforms and stuff who just your average fan you know who just follows texas tech when they're actually playing who is that player to watch this upcoming season who is kind of maybe not off the radar but just like a newcomer like a gage harrelson from last year or tracer lopez who are these guys is there one particular you're looking at playing this weekend that you've kind of had your eyes on for a while or is there's you know who's on your radar to start this series in arlington I think you could take a guess at who mine's going to be, but um, for Red Raider Nation, if you if you don't know him yet, you'll know the name TJ Pompey. You will know him, and you'll know him really quickly. Uh, kid's an all-out stud, and uh, he rakes. He plays the field really well. Um, you're, to, I mean, let's call it for what it is, Joe. You're talking about a kid who's a freshman who came in and took Tracer Lopez's spot from him. Um, to with be ease. quite honest with ease. with ease and yeah and didn't really he kicked ass and took names and didn't stop in the process uh he's bullied his way into the starting lineup um you got to remember at the end of last year we were talking about you know the possibility of austin green moving to the outfield but for will burns to play short um and tracer lopez to play second or vice versa um you're talking about a kid that's come in and rearranged the entire outlook to where now they're talking about playing will burns and center some days to give gage harrelson the day off or put harrelson at a dh when we need speed um so um you're talking about a kid that's kind of come in and in a good way uh you know made his name known and kind of bullied his way around and uh you know you couldn't he couldn't stay out of the lineup tadlock couldn't keep him out of the starting lineup so um I'm really looking forward to see what the kid can do. I've heard a lot of good things. Um, I know you've gotten some eyes on him, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I have yet to do so, so I'm pretty excited for tomorrow. I can't say this with 100% certainty, but I was at the Texas Tech-Kansas game on Monday, and there was a kid throwing T-shirts with Caleb Rogers, with Baron Morton, into the stands and this kid really looked a whole lot like tj pompey and i'm not 100 percent, so i don't nobody hold me to this but he put a shirt from from court to the very first row in the upper level god who was it who was it a couple of years ago that did that and hurt their arm um it was i've never seen it before it like to me that's like it's absurd. It was a pit. I, I've I'll, someone, if someone's listened to this, shoot me a DM on Twitter or DM the account on Twitter and tell me right. who it was, because I, I know for a fact that this happened like three or four years ago, uh, that they're, that they were throwing out t-shirts and someone hurt their arm doing it. Um, and I can't remember who it was, but damn it, it's going to bug me. But if someone is listening to this and remembers, send it to the thing. So, yeah. so, yeah. Uh, so if, we can remember if, and if, I can have it, a good laugh. If any of the other crew remembers who God, this I don't particular even know. I don't know was. if Macon might, but like I said, it, I, re- I do remember it happening. And it, I remember it, it vividly. It, it really looked like him. The, the picture, the camera view on him on the court. It was a quick one. You know, it, man, I've, he had a baseball jersey on too. So it was just like one of those things where you kind of just put two and two together. But 
an absolute an absolute cannon um throwing a t-shirt and i'm i'm as excited as you are for this kid this i mean he has all the hype he pushed and bullied his this this whole lineup around by just how damn good he's been on the field on the bases in the batter's box i mean he's done everything the right way and it's one of those deals you cannot not play this guy he's just that damn good it's it's going to be it's going to be amazing to see i can't wait to see him take his first at bat tomorrow you'll be there <coughs> excuse me you'll be there live to see it happen so well you'll be there all weekend to see him bat and you'll get to watch him play and you'll probably have a little bit more to bring back to us on what you saw from him and some of the others there um jack kind of going into this weekend a little bit more you on changes that you'd like to see this team do more this year than they've done last year and some of the previous years. And one big knock on on Tadlock and some of his how he coaches and and runs the game and operates, he doesn't run a lot. We have speed. But we, he doesn't run a lot. Is is this the kind of year where you see that expectation changing for this baseball team? To be honest, I don't. Um, I'm not really one to talk about a mismanagement of the baseball roster very often. Um, most of the time, I I very much agree with a lot of the decisions that are made, maybe not at the time, but then going back and looking at it in hindsight, I say, oh, you know what? That's probably the right call. And I know you know this about me too, so I think you can tell where I'm going with this. Um, the mismanagement of Jarrett Curtis last year is going to haunt me for a very long time. Um, I think that that kid deserved a lot of playing time, at least a chance. And I think he got in like five games and I think he might've stolen one bag. Maybe. Um, my point being in all this, um, if you got speed like Harrelson and Curtis and, you know, other guys, Tracer Lopez, uh, you know, Will Burns got in there for some, um, Nolan Hester from last year, you know, uh, I, if, if you're not going to run with that on your roster, I, I don't know when you are. Um, and I'm not saying that these guys aren't as just as quick, if not quicker. Um, just saying in general that there's a ton of speed last year and that still saw us probably, at, I think we were either next to last or last in the conference in stolen bases. So, um, you know, if you're not going to run with that speed, when are you going to do it? Why would you start now? So um, maybe I'm wrong. I hope so. I'd like to see some, I'd like to see some, you know, advancement on the bags, but um, we'll see. You know, it's just, it's really, really crazy to see. To your point, you know, you had all this high-end speed between Hester, Harrelson, Jarrett Curtis was on the, you know, Jarrett Curtis was the fastest kid on the base on the base path coming out of high school in the nation. I mean, that goes to show you what kind of wheels this guy had and Harrelson wasn't too far behind him. 
and for them to be not utilized in that position to make things harder for the opposition is 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 baffling to me um not to compare this to major league baseball but just watch how the Arizona Diamondbacks played you know they were all the time they have speed and they were making once they got on the first base it was like this is what this is us this is what we do and some teams came to what they were doing and some teams were just unable to stop it and it just they were too the pitchers were too busy worrying about what was going on in first base not taking advantage or not taking care of the batter that they were facing and it just made things a nightmare and i think tech had that speed last year to do so and i think they do have just as much speed this year as they did last year um pompey's a little bit bigger kid i think he's like 64 200 pounds but i mean he moves i mean he's similar size to gauge and they move like we have speed on this team. Now, are we going to utilize it to our advantage to make things a nightmare for the opposition? You know, that's yet to be determined, but you know, it would be a big change to see Tadlock and this coaching staff, you know, open it up a little bit, give your guys a chance. Hey, if you try it and it doesn't work, then fine. So be it. At least you fucking tried to do it. But if you try and it works and it makes life hell for, whoever you're playing, then run with it. No pun intended, run with it. So that'd be something that I would really like to see moving forward, not just this weekend, but moving forward into the actual regular season. Um, And we'll just kind of just leave that at that. We'll talk more baseball moving forward. Jack, just to end this off, just because this is just kind of a, a mini primer here. Um, We talked about pitching staff. We talked about rotations. We talked about, um, new position players and how this lineup may be different in about a week from now, based on, you know, the flu kind of running through this baseball program. How do you feel right now on paper? Obviously we haven't seen anything happen yet on paper. How do you feel Texas tech is going to do this weekend? Like I said, um, I I'd be happy with the two in one weekend. Um, We'll say to the fact again to touch on this, we are notoriously bad in these in these early season tournament things. Um, we've never been particularly good at them. Um, and I don't think that's a really a knock on anyone. I think it's the fact that um, Tedlock really uses this time to get a lot of different guys in to kind of see what he's working with for the rest of the year. Um, you know, I did reference that game that's in the middle of next week against Oregon State. Um, I, I think that regardless of what happens this weekend or how you come out uh, after these first five games in, in roughly about the next week or so, um, I, I think that it's going to look good on a resume that you've played two top 10 teams in the first five games. Um, and, you know, theoretically, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Oregon ranked, if not really quickly, then uh, at least some point down the road this year. Uh, so again, playing three ranked teams in your first uh, five games is, is going to look really good on the resume. It's, it's a nice change up compared to playing an ultra Charmin soft, uh, non-con for the past couple of years. So, um, I think we learn a lot about this team in the next week, to be honest. And I, th- I think that, uh, you know, in years past it's taken, you know, a, a month to kind of figure out what this team is about. Um, 
I, I think that we find out in about a week and a half or two weeks. And from there we can kind of base our decisions, but um, I'm, I'm theoretically, I'd like a two and one. Um, I think it's either going to be a two and one or a one and two weekend. Um, leaning more towards the two and one uh, hoping for a shocker. Um, but again, two and one, one and two to end the weekend. Um, then kind of going into next week, seeing what we can do against UTA and Oregon state on the quick turnaround. Um, interested in that as well. So um, we'll see how it plays out. And um, either way, I'm super excited to see what, uh, see a lot of these new faces and I'm ready to watch some baseball. It's been a long time uh, since I've seen some tech baseball. So uh, really looking forward to it and uh, just pretty excited. And that ladies and gentlemen is the conclusion of our second part of the podcast, Texas tech, baseball primer for the weekend everybody get get ready it's going to be a hell of a weekend starts tomorrow night at eight o'clock globe life arlington texas if you're in the dallas fort worth area please make the trip on over to arlington go support your red raiders they'll be playing there three consecutive days in a row starting off with tennessee tomorrow night then Saturday against Nebraska, sun finishing it off with Oregon on Sunday. Um, Texas Tech men's basketball, as we spoke to earlier in the first half of this podcast, plays early on Saturday, early, early game at 11 o'clock. So, hell, you could get baseball and basketball at the same time without overlap. There's no better way to spend a Saturday than to watch some Texas Tech sports. Basketball, a huge game in Ames. Baseball, second game of the year, where this team will be, what team, what what we're going to see moving forward. A lot to kind of um, dive into, dissect, everything about it. And we are going to be here with you for this journey. Three games in Arlington this weekend. One game, Ames. Wherever you are, Red Raiders, if you're, like I said, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, try to make it over there to Arlington's. Support your guys because it's usually harder to get to the Lubbock area to watch a baseball game. I will say as well, let me go through here as well. Um, I know that I have read in multiple places there is a game watching party prior to the baseball game at Texas Live next to the next to Globe Life um, for the tech basketball game. So there is a game watching thing at Texas Live prior to the tech baseball game for those that are going this weekend you heard it here first folks watch some tech basketball at texas live super lit right next door to globe life go watch some texas tech basketball but potential upset on the road and then just walk your your drunk self or buzz self or the rest of you and your family into globe life and watch your red raiders play some baseball it's here, folks. Get as much Texas Tech as you want at Texas Live and at Globe Life this weekend. If I was there, I would be there. But I'm sure if somebody needs $5 for a beer or $8 for a bill, hit me up with your cash app. I'll buy one round for you as long as you're listening to us on a regular basis. I'm cool with that. So enjoy your weekend. It is a, a fun-filled, jam-packed Texas Tech sports weekend. We will be back with you potentially during these games, you know, to do recaps of the games. 
we may just do one whole recap of the the entire tournament but then we'll have another recap of the iowa state game on saturday join us wherever you are facebook instagram twitter we're here for you guys we love your support we love talking to you guys if you have questions if you have concerns whatever you may be whatever's on your chest get at us we're here to listen we're not perfect but we do love texas tech athletics and we support everything that this program does so from joe and jack thank you for listening have a great weekend and wreck them <laughs>